Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Tonight we are bringing you another fantastic show with a fantastic guest, and uh, I don't think he needs an introduction, uh, Mr. Juan O'Savin. Uh, he's definitely been a blessing. Uh, whenever he does interviews, we're always streaming it on here, and he definitely helps us get through these difficult times, and uh, he drops us a lot of good information to help us get by. But before we start the show, I'd like to recognize Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Uh, there's been several interviews we've been listening to on, and, and he says, you know, be counted for. You know, this is a time for Americans to step up, uh, play your part. Um, and he also says, you know, people often ask, well, what can I do? You know, I created this platform by during a really rough time when the pandemic was going on and, and a voice spoke to me because I, I seen the struggle that was going on. My cousin owned a restaurant in Milwaukee and I seen how they were trying to collapse her restaurant. So I was putting money in her restaurant. I was uh, an essential worker and I was able to provide dinners for people that were out of work and put money in my cousin's restaurant. And one day I pulled over and I had a conversation with God and I said, you know, it's time for me to do something. And uh, he spoke to me and he says, you know, bring my people information and allow them to ask questions. And uh, at the time I didn't, I didn't really didn't know. I'm like, wow, how am I gonna do this? But he helped me figure it out. And, and what I can say is Mike Lindell has been the guy that has been showing us a lot of problems with our election. And, and we've seen how the media has tried to collapse with on his business. So I would say he's he's one of those guys that that stepped up. And if you go to mypillow.com and use promo code CPNN, you'll get up to 80% off your purchase. And last but not least, Juan, I, I really want to thank you for joining us. It's an honor. It's a blessing. And I'm very thankful. Well, I mean, I, I actually, <laughs> I'm glad you guys were there. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, if we weren't having a conversation uh, if I was talking to air, it wouldn't matter. The whole reason that this uh, is such a critical point in time is because uh, uh, all of us are kind of gathering together uh, around the campfire and trying to work through what do we got to do to get this thing back on the right path and uh, how are we going to get the people that uh, wrangle control of uh, uh, our country uh, through fraud and deception and uh, hijacked it. And uh, what are we going to do about it? So, uh, you know, this is all of us showing up and uh, uh, that people take time now to work through these issues. Look, there's always been, a, you know, guys that I've known my entire life from the time I was little that were trying to figure out how to get things back on track and fighting through. But uh, we had numbers, but they weren't adequate. Things had to reach a certain point where they were just so out of whack and gripping, and, and the crises um, actually are continuing to escalate uh, right now um, to where people are more and more paying attention from every part of the world. Uh, you know, Egypt yesterday uh, gave, uh, gave Israel um, an ultimatum if you proceed forward with the talks and, and attacks in Rafa that uh, you've told us you're planning on doing, then uh, uh, we are going to be at war with Israel and the Camp David Accords are 
going to be nullified by your actions. Egypt's ready to go to war right now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to believe. You know, Juan, and as you're you're saying that, um, just a while ago, we seen a video leaked with the. Oops, sorry. That's all right. Go ahead. Uh, we seen a video leak with that sheriff, and I believe Butler in Ohio, and you know he spoke. You know, their briefing. We're about to, you know, attack two countries, and we have all these people here in America, and. They are not here to become our friends, and they don't have our best interests. And um, then you see the illegal immigrants in New York beating up on a cop and sticking the middle finger up at the camera. You know, I, I think that that's something that a lot of Americans should probably pay attention to. And, and one thing I will say before you, you jump in is a buddy of mine that is Hispanic that lives in Milwaukee, and he was visiting his mom, and as he was leaving, there was this Hispanic-looking male that was sitting by the alleyway that just looked suspicious. And since he was able to speak Spanish, she's like, hey, you know, what, what are you doing over here? Because, you know, his mom lives alone, his father passed, and he's like, I'm from, I think, Venezuela, and I don't have money, and I'm hungry. And <laughs> he gave him a few dollars and, and told him, you know, get over from around the neighborhood. but I mean, they're they're coming to the city now in different states. Well, I mean, you don't just have a few hundred thousand, which would be horrible. Um, since Biden took office, you have about uh, arguably something around 10 and a half or 11 million uh, people that have come into the country just since Biden took office. That doesn't include the 35 million that were here before. And... Uh, most of which have sifted into the woodwork enough that uh, they're pretty hard to pick out. They're pretty embedded even with houses and other things. Um, it is not going to be easy to root that out, um, but uh, it will have to be done. And uh, the ones that are more um, bent on doing damage uh We'll have to target them as much as we can first. Um, it's not going to be easy. I mean, you know, uh, when you have evil people who are willing to uh, commit these amazing crimes, you know, they, they're counterfeiting votes. We'd go after counterfeiters of our currency. Well, why would they care about the currency when they can counterfeit votes? That'll get them way more than you would get from the currency. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the numbers going into the coffers of these globalista are just uh, stunning. Um, and again, you know, uh, to their various operations, Ukraine, uh, various aspects of uh, the Mideast, um, South America, other locations, um, you know, counterfeiting money is... is like uh, uh, a fool's game compared to what they're doing with counterfeiting votes. Um, and uh, so they have brought in um, and embedded a uh, group of people 
that have not, not been Americanized. They have no interest in being Americans, uh, truly. Uh, they're just here to get what they can. And they're, you know, when you have somebody that's truly desperate, they're capable of things that somebody who's still got a little bit of resources, a family, somebody looking over their shoulder, uh, character, they might not go that far. Um, uh, but they're here. They have only each other to rely on, and it's an us versus them situation. Um, I wouldn't put anything past any of them, and I think that's the mode we have to be in. Um, the American people are becoming more and more uh, alert to what's going on. Their um, cat senses are starting to kick in, and uh, that's important because there'll be an agreement with what has to be done when we have to start rounding uh, people up, uh, especially the worst of the worst. And, uh, you know, people will want to, you know, it's a, a human humanity crisis, etc. The only other thing I'd say to you is that um, whatever videos, whatever images uh, that you see, just remember that the original plan was that was you, that was your kids, that was your family. And they intended to round us up. Uh, we're coming up on an Esther moment. It's going to be gripping. Uh, the worst is yet to come. Um, so is the best. And that's why all of us are going to rise to the occasion. We're not going to um, do what they expected. This drives this deep state globalista crowd crazy. They thought that they could drive us to... Uh, some type of civil war against each other, Americans fighting Americans, and then they just step into the gap. And that hasn't happened. They thought it happened back in January 6th. They thought they'd have it with the Insurrection Act with Trump. Um, uh, all of their plans and schemes, they have something still ahead with uh, the financials and other wars that uh, they still want us to feel that we have to get into. They're far from done. Um, there's a dark night uh, for America coming, but there's also a uh, dawn and a new um, uh, era coming, and uh, we're going to pull through this together. There's people like this audience that will help everybody keep their heads screwed on straight, keep their wits about them, and uh, methodically go in and, uh, you know, corral these problem children and then uh, come up with a plan to you know, take control of the country back from a corrupt um, uh, political establishment, uh, law enforcement, and uh, military too, that is that is bought into this globalist operations. So anyway, you know, stuff that I've said before, but that's that's where we're going. Totally agree, and uh, I think it's important that. We settle our differences and unite because we're going to have to work together as a, a community when the time comes. And I was just wondering if I can bring up a couple more things, Juan, and then we can go into Q&A if that's all right. Sure. And, and by the way, the, the most important thing is, um, and uh, let me just say it, and I hope it, it's heard correctly. Um, I was uh, uh, asked early on about, for example, the trucker thing across the country and I wasn't real excited about it but I also felt that it had uh, uh, 
a pretty good likelihood of having a pretty successful thing. Um, my concern there was that we're coming into this wonky moment um, where uh, they would love this, who's the they? The people behind the fraudulent vote, the people that are trying to bring civil war to America, the people that do the movies like the Obamas did about America going into some type of civil unrest. Um, uh, the people that stole the election and put a fake uh, fraudulent uh, uh, image of Biden into power. Uh, Putin says uh, Biden's not running Washington, D.C. And you don't even know the names of the people who are running Washington, D.C. Oh, you mean it's not Obama running Biden? That's what Putin said. Somebody you don't even know the name of. When uh, it was known that Tucker was going to go do the interview with Putin, within 24 hours, Obama was on a plane. Where the f did he go? Went to New Zealand, went to uh, Antarctica. So who's running Obama? When the King of Jordan was there with Biden uh, and uh, he was introducing him and, and uh, uh, Biden points over a television monitor in the corner of the room. Oh, and uh, Barack's here too, right there. You know, uh, oh, so Barack's running you or somebody's running Barack. Um, people that you don't even know the name of are managing America to go into some kind of uh, civil unrest. What I didn't want was to make uh, easy underhand um, situation where somebody could be in there, infiltrate or cause another J6 type situation where they can accuse somebody of being involved in, in promoting or pushing or whatever. And we did know that there was an infiltration by three letter agencies into the Canadian trucker thing. It wasn't just uh, Canadian intelligence agencies. They asked uh, uh, others to come in and help, and they had undercover people in there that were uh, in there trying to cause problems. Um, my concern was uh, infiltration and then somebody doing something that could be blamed on all of us. And uh, so I was not uh, real excited about it. And I told uh, the guys when they were trying to plan this out, I said, at the very least, um, I don't think I can support you directly, um, but I'm not opposing you at all. I mean, you're, you're going to do it. That's great. Make sure you have a lot of great counsel on this. Make sure you bring everybody to the table and you've, you've weighed out, you know, is there insurance issues? Is there liability issues? Um, how are you going to, uh, you know, kind of screen so you don't have some obvious uh, troublemaker come in and try to do something that uh, puts uh, shame on everybody else as though everybody was in on it. Um, we've seen this at multiple events. You know, up at up at uh, the Bird Refuge in uh, Oregon, when uh, they went in, they got baited, really, to go and take over the Bird Refuge. Over half, over half, over half of the people that were inside the bird refuge uh, were on the payroll or directly working uh, uh, as uh, assets of various state, county, and federal law enforcement agencies. How do you have an honest protest when over half the people present are on somebody's uh, payroll trying to undermine your, your project? 
And of course, that's what happened on January 6th. That's what's happened in a number of these things. So at this critical moment, as we're just about to turn the corner and go a different direction, uh, I was concerned that uh, there would be some hijacking of the event, uh, you know, false narrative, false flag, whatever. And especially with some of the things that I personally am involved in right now, uh, hypercritical that I could not um, be seen as uh, um, directly promoting or pushing that um, at that time. But I wasn't against it. I just, I just had, was, was not real comfortable with where it was at. I'm going into all of that detail here with you folks um, just because we are changing uh, where we're at now. And the jump up and down, wave the flag, and uh, we're all buddy-buddy and uh, puffing the chest out. We're actually coming into a little different season. Um, uh, at this moment in time, it's not about going out halfway across the country. And that was the other concern I had. You know, a lot of the people that are really trying to push this, they are the salt of the earth. But um, I was concerned about people spending money. They don't really have the luxury to spend. As good Amer Americans, their patriotism um, being kind of wheeled against them. Uh, you know, you don't show up, you're not a good American, or you don't do something. Uh, I wanted to make sure that at this exact moment, and I hope everybody here is listening to me, this is the moment where uh, you start battening down the hatches. Uh, you know, when a, when a door is closed in a hatchway, um, it adds strength to that um, area of the, of the boat or the ship. Um, it compartmentalizes anything that happens if there's damage so that uh, you have airtight uh, seals between different locations. It uh, protects the buoyancy of the vessel uh, in some kind of uh, calamity. Um, we're at that moment now where the ship of state is about to come under um, major, major, major um, stress. So the proper thing to do right now isn't to go halfway across the country on something, um, kind of go looking for trouble. You're not going to have to do that. Uh, the trouble's going to find us. It's in the form of millions of people here who shouldn't be here. And of those millions, um, a very large percentage, still a percentage, not all of them, but a significant percentage. If you want to pick a number, we've rattled around something around one and a half to three million that are the worst of the worst. Um, and uh, they'll be looking for trouble. It's easier to control an area that's your own. So we play a zone. Um, this is about kind of uh, knowing who the people are in your community, knowing what's available to you resources-wise. Uh, um, if you live there, you got family, you got friends there, you went to school there, whatever your history is, um, that you kind of know who belongs and who doesn't, and who's actually um, people you can work with and the ones that uh, are just... Uh, maybe going to be more of a problem and you want to kind of distance yourself from. 
you can't know that when you go halfway across the country and you meet somebody and it's the first time you've known them, they're your best buddy and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they're actually setting you up. Until you've been conned by a con man, until you've been, um, you know, uh, uh, mugged by a mugger, uh, you know, you don't really realize what people are capable of or just how dangerous uh, they can be in the right situation. They look like you or I, they, they might not give you fair warning with tattoos over every square inch of their body or, you know, weird clothes or come at you as a gang. Um, so when you're closer to home, everybody kind of knows who belongs, uh, where they're at, etc. Um, when, when the BLM people went to go into uh, certain neighborhoods in a couple of the cities, uh, the property owners in the area, they just went down to the end of the street with their, you know, trucks and suburbans and parked them at the end of the street. And if it wasn't a neighbor they knew, if it was somebody coming in, they, uh, um, um, you know, verified that they had business in the neighborhood. Uh, who's, whose house you going to? Your, your parents, your grandparents? What happened was the BLM people that were coming in to burn down uh, very expensive neighborhoods, they came through, saw everybody sitting at the end of the street, you know, the teenagers with a shotgun and dad with a sidearm and a long rifle, and they kept going right down the street. And uh, that wasn't just in one place. I was in lots of places around the country. It may very well be that if we get into some kind of a wonky situation, there's not going to be enough cops. And you're not going to have the military everywhere. There's not enough people. Everybody just has to uh, kind of play their zone. And pretty quickly in that kind of a situation, in, in something approaching a national shutdown, uh, the problem for these people is uh, it's musical chairs. Anywhere they want to land, all of a sudden they stand out like a sore thumb. And uh, they're easy to isolate. So what will happen in what's coming, you'll have uh, some national problems and uh, some kind of a full stop that ends up being akin to COVID. Uh, you'll have some uh, civil unrest in various places. Uh, it'll seem like it's every last neighborhood and street, but it, you know, it'll be you know, just picking a number from outer space. It'll be 120 cities uh, that have something. The news won't be able to cover it all. You'll hear about it from relatives and friends. Um, but pretty quickly, these people won't really actually have the stability in that location that they think they do. And they'll have to fall back to these locations that they've identified as their zone. And uh, that ends up being about 14 cities. And... Uh, uh, they'll self-isolate. Now, the problem is, is that for people going out, you know, going cross-country, um, you know, fortunately, it went off beautifully. The people that did it were inspired. They had a uh, godly perspective, and they pulled it off uh, really very well. Um, uh, my hat's off to them. Do we want to continue to try to do that or do we want to kind of stay closer to home um, including where we also know the local law enforcement and they know us and uh, uh, not um, 
expose ourselves unnecessarily to um, the drama that could be there with, uh, you know, look, if you got all these people looking to cause trouble, you're going to get mixed up in the midst of them. You're going to have a direct confrontation with them. Let them come to you. Don't go to them. Um, that's going to be a problem for them because we're, we're pretty stable, right? You know, close to home, your town, your city, families that know each other. And then there's going to be some cities where your best option, unfortunately, if you were in France and you were in Paris and the Germans were coming, you might be better off at grandma grandpa's farm. Uh, if you stayed in Paris, you know, you got to understand you're an occupied city. Uh, are you, is, do you not have an option? It might be, but you're going to have to conduct yourself a little bit differently under the circumstances. Um, I, I haven't minced words. I've said very clearly a number of times, this is a near-death experience for America. Don't play as though it's just a game. It's not. This is deadly serious. And if you get in the way, you stick your head up, you act like an idiot. Um, don't be upset that the rules are wartime rules. There is no rules. That's why Trump had the flag with the star, stars, the field of stars covered over uh, uh, at one of his rallies quite a while back. That means it's a, it's a warning to all of the patriots. The area is occupied. You're in a location where the enemy is in uh, our midst. Operate accordingly. Don't trust anybody to be who they say they are. Uh, uh, both sides, us and the other side, have sent teams in at various times in conflicts and uh, look, worn the other team's uh, uniform and uh, changed the direction of the roadmap uh, signs, uh, etc., to divert people to whatever. You're, you're in the middle of a war. Be real about what we're in. You expect justice and expect the court systems to work a certain way. So did all the J6ers. Wise and acre up. Take a deep breath. Understand the situation you're in. And this moment, it is now all starting to gel. Closer to home. Make sure you got the resources you need. Make sure that your family or your neighbors, as much as you can help or say the right thing, you don't have to go beat their head over, you know, beat them over the head over this stuff. They'll figure it out soon enough. Um, most of the people out there, you think you got enough to get through whatever, well, then get some extra because there's going to be people around you, your own family or neighbors or friends who aren't going to figure it out in time. And maybe you can uh, work with them to uh, get them through and you'll be the hero. Um, uh, that's... What I really think, you know, that's why I'm talking to a small group. You're all salt of the earth. You're all thinking you want to come here and have a conversation. So I just had the conversation that I don't think is the one that we have everywhere that uh, um, is the one that we need to have so that you're ahead of the game. You're not trying to play catch up when everybody else is. So I hope, I hope that helped. I, I don't know. Oh, that helped a lot. And uh, thank you for all that information, Juan. And, and the last thing I'd like to, to, to ask you to touch on before we go into Q&A is 
Um, I'm seeing a lot of infiltration. I, I see people are popping up and they're trying to cause division, uh, confusion. Can, can you just touch on these people that are trying to infiltrate people that are standing up for freedom at this time? Well, um, we, we have tracked um, a couple of specific groups uh, over the last several years. Um, and they'll disappear and then reinvent and come back and they'll change their, you know, their profiles and things like that and come back. Um, some of them more benign, uh, some of them far more dangerous. And uh, with uh, their, you know, whatever, accusations, uh, bullshit, disinformation, whatever. Um, and... Uh, what I would say is this, you have to imagine that you're one of the apostles with Christ himself, son of God, God putting on human flesh like we put on a coat and walking amongst us, um, headed for a destination to, um, you know, reconcile man with God, uh, God himself doing it because no man could do it. Um, and imagine you're one of the apostles, Peter, James, John, Matthew, any one of them. There was actually a kind of a large entourage that walked with Christ. And the crowd would, would vacillate because the apostles, most of them had wives and children. They actually had hangers on that were, were going with them. The, the crowd that moved with them might be 50, and at other times it might be several hundred. Um, at other times he sent the apostles away by twos and uh, went off by himself as much as he could to um, uh, collect his thoughts, pray, um, set the example for us. But imagine if you're one of the apostles, there was, in every location that they would go to, there was Pharisees, Sadducees, there was Roman soldiers. There was other citizens. Uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And they would have questions. And they'd come up and they would hit the apostles with all these questions. Now, the one that they seemed to really like was Peter. The other one they really liked was Judas. And uh, in Peter's case, um, they would come up and hit him, you know, with, a, you know, hey, does your, does your master pay? Uh, the tax, you know, this particular tax. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, he does. Of course he does. Yeah, he's, he's a good citizen. Um, and then after he commits himself, yeah, 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 he goes and asks Christ, hey, uh, the tax collector guy over here, um, he, he asked me to pay the tax. I don't want you to get in trouble because I, I they were trying to set you up to arrest you. So I told him, yeah, yeah, you pay the tax. Do you pay the tax? And uh, Christ says, uh, you know, uh, here's the deal. I don't want to bring offense. I don't want to be distracted on the wrong subject at the wrong time. I don't want you to have a problem. Peter, you're a fisherman, so why don't you go do what you do in your job? If you were a construction worker, you might have told you to go dig a ditch in a certain spot. You know, find a coin buried in there where somebody dropped it. But they told Peter, go fish. And the first fish that you catch, pull it up, and you'll find... Uh, a uh, 
uh, drachma in there and uh, the tax was a half drachma or whatever. And he says, so you pay for yourself and myself with the tax collector, okay? And uh, uh, Peter goes and does that and he says, you know, there's more to the story about whether or not the sons of the king pay the tax, uh, you know, or if it's only the vassals, the servants, the slaves. And uh, um, so Peter did that. This, this is about a moment where we're all getting hit by a bunch of people wanting to have answers to questions. And uh, they've all got a particular perspective, um, different things that are more important to them than others. Uh, and we try to give as good an answer as we can um, right at the critical moment. Uh, there's people around us that are well-meaning and they think they have a pretty good understanding, but they might not have it exactly. Do we, do we get into an offense, uh, make a big deal out of the wrong thing at the wrong moment? Uh, Christ didn't let this thing where there was a lot of other material that had to be covered that was really important distract from the main conversation. Um, America's in a captured condition. So... Um, what things are we going to bog down on? Are we worried about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Um, the other side of the coin, the other extreme, is uh, trying to divide us and get us working against each other and, and fighting each other, uh, uh, which is really what the question was. You know, these people want to be divisive. They're really Pharisees and Sadducees. They're not true believers in the sense that maybe the patriot community is. Um, we're looking to save the country, to have something to hand forward to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that there is a place that the pilgrims envisioned when they came here where there's religious freedom and all the things that go with it in society to allow for religious freedom. If you don't have a good government, if you don't have uh, the right kind of society, you don't have the liberty for freedom of religion. So you want freedom of religion, you gotta have a free society. You can't have freedom of religion in a captured uh, society. That's what we found in the Soviet Union, China and other places. So the other extreme is uh, people that were trying to divide, like with Peter, close to Christ. Now, the other one was Judas. Judas uh, was unique. He didn't come from the area uh, around Gal Galilee, uh, where there were fishermen, there was other society. He came from an area to the south. And you have to look at the history of Israel and the different tribes and all that, and, and how these people thought. But this area to the south, uh, where Judas came from and the, the uh, families that were there, they had been very anti-Rome and they were ready to go to civil war again and fight Rome, uh, which was occupying um, Israel. And uh, uh, the Roman government was pretty, you know, harsh. Uh, that's why um, uh, you have all this drama with Pilate and uh, uh, the, uh, the stuff going back to Caesar. Uh, 
And so Judas was part of a group that was very interested in um, uh, essentially the militia of that era. And they were going to form up an army and they're going to get everybody else to join them in the army. And then they're educating everybody in the army. You know, here's why we're justified to go to war with Rome. And this why if, if everybody joins together at the same time, we can outdo the Roman soldiers that are here. Rome doesn't have enough soldiers here to actually um, win in a fair fight with us. Uh, so if we can get everybody to just agree that we're going to go fight the Roman soldiers that are here, we could retake the land and then we'll come up with a plan to stop the Roman army, which will be right behind them from coming and getting us. And so uh, that was the tribe that Judas came from and, and, and the family group. Now, Judas, the whole time he was there, you think, well, um, when he got there, uh, what, and by the way, you know, there's, there's an argument that he was actually a, a cousin of Christ. Um, I don't think that that was actually true, uh, as was the case with John um, uh, and James, who were related. But um, uh, Judas, when he got there, it's interesting that he becomes the treasurer. Uh, the scripture says, for he held the bag. So when people would make donations, uh, Judas is the one uh, that was holding the offering bag, and they'd put the money in. Then whenever any of the apostles needed to go get food, uh, they had to you know, give money to the poor that might be there. Um, they would take it out of the bag. Judas would dish it out. So Judas had a certain perceived authority for he held the bag. And uh, when the Sadducees and Pharisees, the temple people, came and watched Christ, the person that was, was given charge of the money was con considered to be, you know, second one in charge, if you will. Um, he, you know, it's not just that he holds the bag. He, you know, what, what do you need the money for? Um, well, how much do you need? Well, that seems a little high. Are you sure you can't get a better deal? Make sure you get the best price, you know, uh, that sort of thing. He was, he was actually kind of a gripping person. And um, uh, there's a lot of scripture that gives us um, pretty interesting insights if you kind of glean through it to see what kind of a person uh, uh, Judas was. At the critical moment, when the, they had come into Jerusalem and then Christ had overturned the tables of the money changers, which was the business of the temple. The people would come to make an offering at the temple. They would bring their best lamb, their best dove. They would bring uh, a bull or, or a calf. And depending on what it was that they were trying to do an offering for and according to their means, uh, and they would come to the priest and they would, the priest would inspect the offering to make sure it had no spot or blemish. Then they'd decide that it was okay or it was not okay, but it was a racket. Imagine that the church had become a racket. So when they get there, they would, uh, the priests had these, uh, and they're all related. It's a racket, um, some mob. They'd taken over the temple 
and uh, they would look, you know, oh, this lamb has a spot here. It, 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 God won't accept that. I can't take that in and offer it to God. I mean, look, it's got a spot on it. Um, hey, talk to my brother-in-law. He's over there at table 37. And tell him, here, take this note with you. Here's what I say it's worth. He'll buy your sheep that you just brought today. And then he'll make you, he'll take it and trade in. He'll, he'll give you one that I've already approved. Because uh, I've already approved like nine of them over there. Just go over and tell him, give him this slip, and he'll, it's going to cost you an extra, you know, so many dollars. But you can afford it, and and God will see it. Okay, so go get it done, and you know it's it's your best. It's what you had to offer God. They're rejecting it. There had become a um, a, a screening agent, whether or not you got to to meet God to bring your offering to get anything done, okay? So uh, they were between the people and God uh, with their little racket. Uh, when this guy got over there at the sheep, the guy had changed it with them. Uh, that night, he'd take all the sheep with problems home, and they put some bleach on the spot, uh, throw a little dye on there, come back, and now it's an approved sheep. <laughs> it's a racket. Christ comes in, and he overturns the money changers tables in fact before he did it he went to the side of the area and he was very uh pissed and he watched them doing their business and while he watched them he fashioned a cord a whip in his anger he braided it he stretched it out and braided it and you can imagine that he was not happy he made a strong, tight, woven whip while he watched them conducting their business. And then at the appropriate time, at high noon, he went right in there. And this is before the big feast event, the once a year Christmas sale. This is where we make 90% of the money that the temple makes because people come from all around the region to bring their offerings for the priests to make an offering on their behalf before God. And this is where we make our money. So all the priests, all the Sadducees, all the Pharisees, they got different families uh, from the region. And they all have their tables in there. And they all have their, you know, well, this is halal this. This is halal that. Uh, oh, no, that, uh, that, that priest group, they only accept this. And we accept that. And ours is better than theirs. It was a racket. And Christ went in and overturned all those tables. Now, in the time between Christ doing that and when they had the uh, supper in the upper room, the priests, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had somebody that approached Judas and said, look, um, we know, you know, you take care of the bag. You're a reasonable man. You get how business is done. You see what we're doing here. And and we're not in opposition. Look, we got to get rid of the Romans too, okay? But we got to get their money so that we can function to do it. Your militia guys and all that, we can help you with some of that. Look, we know all the Roman soldiers. Their barracks is right next to the temple. So um, let's work a deal. Uh, we just want to take Christ into custody, okay, during the uh, uh, sacrifice festival. Um, the Passover festival. We just need him in custody, okay, so he doesn't do any more damage. So we can set our tables back up, 
He's not going to come back and disrupt it. The whole city's thrown into turmoil. He's ruining our ruining our business, and and you can help us out here on this. And Judas goes along with it. Look, we'll give you thirty, you know, silver coins, uh, real money that you can begin. You know what's going to happen when Christ is out? Okay, you're you're related to him. You're a cousin. Um, you've been with him all this time. You know how to do the miracles because. Judas went out and did miracles also in the name of Christ. He, he went out, uh, was one of the 12 sent out by Jews. And uh, so he knew the tricks. Um, he was esteemed by the other disciples. It says, look, when, when you know, uh, we have Christ in custody, uh, we'll take good care of him. And then in the meantime, you'll have money to start your own church operation your own missionary operation and and begin to rally the troops for this militia operation you're going to do to push back in the Romans. We'll help you out, okay? And uh, it seemed like a reasonable enough business deal. What was the problem? Judas didn't have the same objectives in his heart as Christ did, and neither really did the other apostles completely. Remember, uh, Peter when they were walking to Jerusalem and Christ was telling him what was going to happen and how he was going to be abused and killed and crucified. And Peter, it was clear enough. It wasn't obscure. It was clear enough as he explained this to the apostles that Peter said, no way. I won't let it happen. We won't let it happen. Uh, uh, we're not going to let any harm come to you. And Christ uh, scolded him. Why? Because that wasn't what God's objective was. He was on his way to do a particular thing that God intended. Um, Peter had his heart in the right place, but he didn't fully understand what was going on. But it wasn't a mercenary. He did believe, you know, remember Peter's the same one that uh, when the apostles were all asking, uh, you know, uh, some of the rabble rousers came into the crowd and they were debating, is Christ Elijah? Is he uh, Moses come back? Uh, is he um, uh, John the Baptist reborn somehow? Uh, they didn't know how to uh, categorize it. So Christ knows that there's turmoil going on in the crowd around him amongst the disciples and the people out in the crowd and that these rabble rousers come in. He says, uh, he says to uh, uh, Peter, um, he says to the apostles generally, he says, who do men say that I am? He asks them the questions they're all asking already. And he takes a few answers from different of the disciples. Well, some think you're John the Baptist, come back. Some think you're Moses, Elijah, the whole crowd saying whatever. Christ turns directly to Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the son of the living God. You're the Christ. And Jesus says, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but God himself the fathers revealed it to you uh this is something that god showed you yet peter still makes these wrong wonky things i'm not letting you go to the cross you know he doesn't fully understand it but there's no malice in his heart judas 
had malice in his heart because he thought he should be the Christ. He held, he held the bag. Everybody had to come to him. They all honor him. He should be the one leading this tribe. He's got business skills. And he understands how to how to set this up, and and he's the one that could actually run an army. Christ is is a pansy. He just talks peace and and uh, you know eternal life all the time, and and uh, they're going to let the Romans kill him. Um, when when Judas betrayed Christ, he thought the other apostles would kiss up to him. He came and he kissed him and all that, and they'd all be shocked. And uh, Judas, Judas. What do we do now? Help us. Tell us what to do. And he'd have the money in the bag plus the 30 pieces of silver. And he'd be able to organize them. Well, we're going to get those mean, nasty Romans. We're going to go steal Christ out of prison. I've got militia guys in the background that can come help us. And it didn't happen that way. The apostles scattered. Uh, Christ went through what he went through, resurrected, uh, they went through a con, con, um, condensing moment. Uh, God changed everything, and they went out and changed the world. In the meantime, when they didn't kiss up to Judas, and they didn't buy into his way of seeing things, and even Judas himself, when he realized they were taking Christ to kill him, that he'd been lied to, he wasn't just going to be put in prison. He had a fit of conscience, and he wanted to give the 30 pieces of silver back to the priests. He wanted them to let Christ go. Don't do it. I mean, the apostles are going to hate me. They all saw me kiss him and they know I've betrayed him. And it didn't work out quite the way I thought it was going to. It didn't matter. The deal was done. Even the priest didn't want the dirty money back. Uh, uh, the filthy lucre. And so Judas, um, realizing what he'd done, um, committed suicide. And, uh, uh, they left him hanging where he hung himself. And uh, over time, uh, he rotted, his guts fell out, and there was a stench there, a stain there um, from the rotting corpse. And so that was known as uh, this Potter's Hill, this, this uh, Betrayer's Hill. And, and there was said to be a stench that was there even centuries later that was commented on. Why did I say all of that? There are people that do not get what we're doing here. They've never really truly been in it just to save America. Their decisions are, um, they're on the patriot schedule. They want to make a business out of being patriots. Doesn't matter if they're making a buck along the way and all that, but there's something more that's driving them. Um, and there's, you know, one of the groups that's, that's making American flags now. They uh, had an issue. They came together, says, well, we got our skills. Let's make flags. And they're doing, you know, American-made instead of made out of China or something. They're doing American-made flags. They're doing a higher quality. They, they make them with pride. Uh, are they patriots? No. Come on, man. You can't throw stones at everybody. There's, you know, but there's others in there that they don't really believe it. They just see this as the next uh, thing. And it's like the, the magicians that were following Christ, trying to figure out how does he do this trick, following him, how does he do the trick? And uh, later, even with the apostles, they offered them money to teach him the trick, how to do the healing. They didn't understand that this was something that God himself was doing. They thought it was just the latest scam. And these guys were just really good at it. They got to learn the trick. 
and it wasn't in their heart because they would use it in a gypsy-esque kind of a way to just be better at what they do. Um, this is a winnowing moment. Uh, everybody gets to pick a, pick a lane. God himself will know your heart. And then part of it is, for this group specifically, and answering your question still, are there infiltrators? Are there people that are not who they claim to be um, in the spirit of how they're doing things from a heart perspective that, that aren't doing this just because they see this as a civic duty, a patriot duty. Um, I think that we're at a point now where it's becoming easier and easier and clearer who's who, um, what their motives are. This is a purifying moment. And on the far side of it, same thing with candidates, uh, same thing with everything else that's going on around us. We're going to be able to tell the difference between who the true good guys are and uh, the ones that aren't. And um, that's actually a blessing because we won't be... Won't be fooled again. Picked up, almost lost my hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so this is an important moment. We're actually getting a gift. Do you know? Trump said it uh, once, and he said it very, very well. Um, and I, I've, I've repeated it to people numerous times. Uh, to get the opportunity to go through some dire situation and see who your real friends are that stick with you and who the ones that are just fair weather friends are to have that moment where you find out uh, through thick and thin who the real ones are, including for patriots and things like that. That's a gift. You can't buy that with money at certain times. In fact, you have to lose everything to find out who the real friends are, uh, who's really in your corner. Um, we're finding out, we're going to get to find out who's who around us. And on the far side, just like Judas revealing himself, what was really in his heart, how he really thought in that trying moment. Uh, sure, Peter made mistakes, but he also repented. and Christ came and found him. Uh, the other apostles all scattered, and then they came back. Uh, Christ had to go find him. Even Thomas, um, uh, Christ came and found him, let him put his hand in his side. Uh, I won't believe until I put his hand right in the wound because I saw it, man. They cut him wide open. I will not believe it until I put my finger right in the nail print. And then Christ allowed him to do just exactly that, um, to, you know, make it real to him. But he didn't find Judas in the same way because Judas was in a different mode. Um, he, he actually was a betrayer. There are people that are in the periphery of these operations trying to move to the center who are truly um, Jezebels and witches. They actually have um, worked on the inside as literally uh, 
uh, witch covens and uh, uh, the, primarily through sex clubs. Uh, we tracked uh, several that came uh, that are associated with a, with a wife swapping club out of London uh, with a branch in Toronto and then another group in uh, New York and uh, uh, their friends out across the country. Uh, we know of some that are related to a particular person uh, uh, from the military that are likewise trying to infiltrate and get into uh, a number of the uh, groups that we have out there. One of the key things has been that uh, they still show who they are um, with trying to um, get into the groups, uh, you know, honeypots um, and uh, uh, several of them that are uh, uh, trannies. They're not trannies in the classic sense where they're just confused. They're actually wanting to be Baphomets and they consider it a feather in the cap to have achieved some type of disruption within um, certain of these groups because within the Patriot movement, the uh, conservative movement, uh, were very much so an anti, um, uh, you know, transvestite type of a community, not so much the transvestites themselves but we're, and, and other sex groups, but we are uh, coming against them on uh, going after the children. And so uh, back in the uh, uh, 60s and 70s and 80s, it was NAMBLA, um, the uh, uh, North American Man-Boy Club Association, where they believed that they had the right and the need to be able to go out and uh, there should be laws that allow them to go out and um, have children have sex with adults, uh, especially men. And you see that in Northern Europe, you see it in other places around the world. And, and, and when you get into the gay movement, in the classic gay movement, that was far less uh, blatant in going after children. But in the modern period, what are you seeing? You're seeing men dressed up as women um, going into public places, but they got to read a book to a child. They have to recruit because uh, they're not breeding directly. They got to go take your kids and try to bring them into their organization. It's, it's the devil himself. So they reveal themselves oftentimes in that way. Uh, and the honey potting and, and like that. So a number of the players that um, have come in and, and all straight and everything else, you know, usually pretty quickly, you start seeing there's some kind of a problem. There's some kind of an issue. There's something going on with them. You'll push it down. Well, I mean, I don't want to be bias. I don't want to look for something that's not really there. I don't want to accuse somebody of something that's not true. And so they, you know, you push it to submerge it down. Uh, but eventually it comes to the top and it's like, okay, now I know it's Larry. <laughs> uh, now I know it's, it's something else. And uh, so uh, that explains a lot of the rest of what's going on. And then the other thing that they do is they tend to work in clusters. So you'll see that um, they'll take team with each other. So they're not going to come in all by themselves. They've got a little uh, uh, 
group of, of at least two. The disciples were sent out by twos. Um, and they may pick up another recruit here or there along the way. And then what they're trying to do is to um, uh, hijack, divide, um, pull apart a group and fractionalize it, divide and conquer and move into an organization or a group, uh, honeypot, do whatever they have to, buy them out if they need to, and um, uh, undermine an organization, then they move in to help keep the peace. They bring the money to stabilize the organization or situation. And, and that's, you know, like a modus operandi that seems to be almost a recurring theme. Um, even in what's going on right now and the stuff uh, against Trump and some of the lawsuits like that, uh, we see the uh, 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 Fannie Willis stuff where turns out she's got a sexual liaison with the guy that's doing the prosecuting and uh, trying to bring some of these cases. We've seen it in other stuff. There seems to be some kind of uh, alliance, and, I, and it doesn't even have to be... Um, that it's, you know, uh, a group that even planned on doing it, but it's just the devil himself that, that the people that are going to betray in that way have other types of um, issues, human frailties, whatever, and it expresses itself and it shows itself. Um, if, you know, and, and we don't want to accuse somebody that's not actually that, that this stuff isn't true, so you have to be slow. But God's pretty faithful. If you're praying for um, wisdom, insight, guidance, um, perception, uh, it won't be a guess. Uh, it won't be a baseless allegation. There will be something comes up that's obvious, blatant, clear. Uh, it won't be a whisper campaign to take him down. It'll come out in the open, so we don't have to become tools of the devil to divide each other with, uh, well, I think they're this, I think they're that, and then you buy into it, that'll be good. Usually it comes right out in the open, and if you don't see it in the open, you don't accuse somebody uh, without um, actual stuff. Uh, there's a, a rule in, in you know, uh, goes all the way back to um, Socrates. Um if you only have one witness, you have no witness. There must be corroborating evidence. Uh, so even if you suspect something, don't you be the jerk that goes out and spreads something and, and is a problem. You pray about it and ask God to give insight, revelation, and uh, uh, he's faithful and at the right time. There's a lot of things, that, stuff that we know even in the background, and we've held because uh, we're aware, we're paying attention, but the corroboration um, hasn't uh, shown itself yet. Um, but we're watching for it. And uh, when it shows up, okay, well, now we know. And in the meantime, we you know, uh, trust but verify, go slow. Uh, are we upset by it? By it. Yeah, some of the stuff that's happened, um, it is grinding. Uh, it is annoying. Uh, it's not so much for any of the individuals who are being attacked. It's for the people around them who have to endure it, uh, and you can't stop it like that. You know, talk to the president. Uh, you know, I have 
friends that are in high office and like that, families like that. And the hardest part is when they start attacking people around them. And, you know, it's, it's just horrible. And, you know, it keeps a lot of people from going into office or doing stuff because uh, to protect their family. So anyway, a long answer. I don't know. I probably was all over the map, but uh, uh, just some thoughts there. No, I appreciate everything that you gave us, Juan. Uh, I felt that on my heart for something to be addressed, and I think you covered it very well. And we definitely can go into q and I know a couple members here are definitely waiting to ask a question from you. But before we go into Q&A, I would like to tell you guys, uh, I shared on the wall, if you look on the wall, it's the Jennifer Mack jacket that dropped, the 2020, it's not over yet. And if you go to jennifermack.com, <laughs> backslash shop get one of those jackets because it's definitely fire yeah that's uh well you know the megador jacket i just love um but uh in addition to that uh this jacket you know for the girls out there it's it's easier to match to maybe <laughs> um and it's just a fun thing look do you feel it even with the judgment against trump today that's going to get overturned. That's not going to stand. It's so much bullshit. Uh, uh, the Fannie uh, Willis thing coming apart the way it is. Uh, stuff in other places to do information on Spygate. And you haven't even heard uh, the other half of Spygate. Talk about the uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, it's the other foot that's got to fall. And I've kind of teased a little bit of about it in a couple of the shows, uh, what the alliance is and, and why it's so important. Um, and uh, one of the guys that uh, we're dealing with it on is actually uh, out of the country right now, as I am, um, uh, tag teaming to uh, get the final pieces um, where everybody's aware of it before we do it to, to release that information. But, but at the end of the day, yeah, 2020, it's not over yet. We're, it, at some level, it's not about 2024. It's 2020, the information. Uh, in a couple of months, I think you'll be at the grocery store. You'll be uh, by the cooler in the office. People that you would never have thought would care about the political stuff or didn't want to hear about it, whatever, will be asking, oh, gosh, we really do have two presidents. Uh one that's legit and one that's a complete total fraud. There's no way he's supposed to be there. And look at what they're doing. They've got us on the verge of nuclear war. They've got the country half in shutdown. We're, we're unable to even, you know, come to work some days or stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I think it will be a common theme that people will be, you know, looking at each other, questioning, you know, <laughs> you know, 2020. It's not over yet. We've got to go back to 2020. And in fact, that's exactly what happens. Um, so with that in mind, uh, the jacket and the song, 2020, it's not over yet. <laughs> and you know, Juan, I, I know there's haters out there, uh, especially the ones that are developing the demonic spirit of not wanting to hear truth. And, and many people, oh, he said 2020 is not over yet. Ain't nothing happening, blah, blah, blah. But when you look around every day, you can see that 2020 is circling back. And uh, it's definitely another 
a good thing when you said, you know, so you said enjoy the show and people are like, what are you talking about? Enjoy the show. It's getting chaotic and people are hurting and people are struggling who are, you know, I totally get that. And I feel for those people and, and I hope that their situation gets fixed, but we've been streaming the Fannie Willis court case here and oh my God, talk about enjoy the show. I'm, I, I'm upset that I didn't have popcorn in front of me. Like, that lady has so much panic in her freaking emotions, her voice and her demeanor. It's like, wow, the cookie is the cookie is crumbling. Well, and you'll see that in other places. You know, they've built their house on uh, sand. Uh, it wasn't ever solid, and they've put their uh, ability to survive this um, uh, on fossils. So what's going to happen with them? They're going to suffer because of this. The storm is coming, and it's going to wipe them out. So how uh, how is that going to go for them? Um, enjoy the show. The show was never about, uh, you know, the situation for the children. It was never about um, laughing uh, about going to a nuclear war in Central Europe and, and the millions that have been displaced, the hundreds of thousands that have died because of this group that took power in America and uh, has allowed a war in that area, promoted it, really. Um, that's, that's, there's, no, there's no pleasure in that. We're not having fun because of that. What we are doing, though, is we're laughing at the devil. We're laughing at this group that has um, taken power, and now they have to own Joe Biden. Do you realize that they almost switched Nancy Pelosi into uh, the presidency two years ago, uh, a year and a half ago? Uh, they almost slid her in during the Christmas break, and we... Uh, had a little uh, uh, thing that happened. It was uh, uh, worked out pretty well. And um, Nancy didn't get to slide into the presidency. And uh, 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 it was a pretty good plan. And it failed. So now um, uh, they're stuck with uh, Biden. They thought they weren't going to be stuck with Biden. They thought they were going to have Nancy. And uh, uh, that didn't work out. They're, they're chained to Biden. Can you imagine? It's like being chained to a corpse. Uh, that Roman punishment that I talked about, where if you were uh, caught committing a murder, uh, uh, their justice was pretty quick. And so they cuffed you hand to hand, uh, man manacled you neck to neck, waist to waist foot to foot with your victim's corpse. And as the corpse rotted, you rotted with it. Um, that's that's what's happening with Biden. They're Weekend with... Biden. What's the movie I want? Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> oh, yeah. But at least they didn't have Bernie for months <laughs> rotting right in front of him, okay? It was just a few days. <laughs> so, um, you know, and they weren't manacled to him inches away face to face. Uh, you know, so a little different situation, but yeah, it's weekend at birdies for the Democrats, that's for sure. So, that's definitely, 
and, um, and Juan, how much time would you have for a q and A? I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, uh, you know, this is an important group, and I came in a little bit late. I'm, I'm glad to kind of stick here for a little bit and try to, you know, as long as you can take the wind noise in the background, uh, uh, I will uh, stay with you for a few minutes and try to answer questions. And uh, I don't do it very often, obviously. So let's uh, let's power through, and I'll try to give you short answers as best I can. Uh, I am uh, challenged in that way because I it it. I actually, I don't like to give too brief of answers as a general rule because I don't think it uh, serves people well. Um, I try to give a little bit more so that they, um, it's not so much about giving an answer sometimes, it's about giving enough information that you as a, as a uh, thinker can weigh it out and go, well, I agree with them or I don't, and here's why, but at least know why I see things a certain way, what my uh, thought processes are that got me there. So you're not having to guess, um, well, why, where did he come up with that from? What was he thinking about there? You can disagree, but at least you would have some starting place uh, you could disagree from. Does that, that make sense? Well, I totally understand that, and I totally respect that. All right, so give me a question. All right, JW is going to be doing Q&A, and uh, anyone that has a question, please raise your hand, and uh, we'll do the best to get you guys in order. All right, we're going to have Texas Tulip up first. We do ask everyone to ask one question and be kind of brief, since I'm sure there's tons of questions for Juan, because Juan, you're very popular. Well, it's, I, you guys are popular with me. I enjoy all of you being here. It's fun to, to be with like mind. You know, the best part of a Trump rally is the time before the Trump rally when everybody gets to hang out together while you're waiting for Trump. So this is uh, getting to hang out with other patriots, uh, other like-minded people, and have some fun. So let's, uh, let's do it together. Let's have some fun. It's fun for me. Hi, Juan. Yes. Hello. Hey, I have a quick question. You've often said that you don't believe we'll have the 2024 election on time. Does this include not just presidential, but also local races? Yes. Okay. How do you think that... You're talking about a full pause because you cannot trust the system and it hasn't been fixed. Now, one of the things that that, uh, uh, I would encourage everybody... Uh, there's people even in this conversation that I, I, I want to be clear with it. It doesn't mean that the electoral uh, process right now, candidate process, is wasted time at all. What it does mean is that those people that survive through this and uh, uh, fight through as candidates um they'll be in the best position when the pause starts to lift to go forward and uh, have the next election uh, process. Uh, Trump himself has said it's a four-year pause, just so you know, and uh, uh, to weed things out and clean them out sufficiently. And then the other side of that is that we will have a interim election 
that is uh, uh, at the state level, but not for the presidency and vice presidency. Um, and that will come. Uh, uh, we have to establish the process works, and then we'll have another uh, uh, election for the president, uh, vice president, and that will be down the road a bit. And there down is the some okay. really interesting. There is some interesting logic on when the election would be held the next time around because the the election is held right now. Uh, uh, in the uh, uh, first part of November, the date that's chosen is the date of the sacrifice date. And that goes back to uh, this was an occult thing where any of the animals that you weren't going to keep uh, through the winter, you sacrificed them and put the meat up at that time. And so that was the sacrifice day was that first Tuesday. Uh, after the last full moon, I think it is, or whatever. And that's how they choose this this uh, election date. So we're having our elections on an occult sacrifice day. Does that sound right to you as an American? Is that what the, the pilgrims would have wanted to do with no, a sir. national vote? That does not make sense to me. So there is a logic to when that would actually be redone in the future. Um and so there's uh, quite a bit of work to be done, including resetting the electoral system uh, so that we have actual for real integrity. Uh, one vote, uh, one person, one vote, uh, one day, uh, no mail. And, you know, that's one of the things that Putin uh, talked about. Uh, the way that you had your country stolen from you was on the mail-in ballot uh, in their assessment. And you know, Putin talked about, which, you know, they're right. So um, uh, there will be a pause. Um, and in fact, and, and just one other thing, you know, I was in a call a couple of years back and uh, I'm there with a friend of mine. Uh, it was a conference call and uh, a number of attorneys and one that's very close to the president and uh, known him for a very long time. And I had said in the call, I said, well, I don't think we're having a 2024 election. It was in direct conflict to one of the other people. I think we have to go like we are going to the election, that that process getting there is critically important because it also shows the problem. Uh, we have to fight right up until something. We can't, you know, absolutely, you know, just say, no, there's, there's not going to be an election, so this is a waste of time. I'm not covering it. I'm not going to do anything. No, 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 no. You're missing the whole point. The process getting there shows the problems, the vulnerability, etc. If if um, if the military was to step in without having allowed the process to reveal exactly what's going on, not for what we know within the data and some of the stuff that we're going to even release—that's the follow-up to Spygate uh, uh, that just happened. Um, uh, when that when that happens, the public wouldn't be with us to make happen what needs to happen. You have to have an overwhelming majority, not 100% because you're never going to get everybody to agree on anything, but an overwhelming majority, 80 plus percent, it's a very specific number for a reason, uh, in agreement 
uh, as we move forward, that's how you avoid civil war. If you don't have 80 plus percent, you have a dogfight. You have the makings of a civil war and people will rip each other apart before they get it resolved. The way you avoid that is you have overwhelming numbers in agreement and then the remaining uh, less than 20 percent, um, half of them will be very militant, but they're less than 10 percent. Half of them will, when they see where the direction is going, they may not agree, but they'll go get in their hidey hole and get out of the way. So now you're only dealing with uh, percentages that are about eight to one, and that's overwhelming enough to win the fight. Uh, there's a lot that has gone into this to uh, come up with the plan, and it's not as um, sloppy uh, uh, as some people might think, but you don't tell your enemy your exact plan um, in advance. Even if you put them in the zone, well, we're going to come nail you, we're going to you know, punch you in the nose, we're going to take it over, we're going to get you. Well, they might not know exactly what you're going to do. You've just given them fair warning. God even tells uh, his enemies he's coming for them exactly what he's going to do. He always sends a prophet, Jonah, to uh, give them fair warning. There's always a prophetic warning and a uh, word spoken against a place uh, that then gives God uh, legal authority to act in this world, which he gave to Adam and his seed. And so uh, the representative of uh, God's people then speaks a word that then authorizes God to act uh, in following through on that word. It's an inspired word that always happens. So anyway, uh, next, next, next uh, piece of it. I'm sorry. Thanks, Juan. Okay, Donna, you will be up next. And after Donna will be Aaron. Donna, if you hit that middle um, microphone button, you will unmute yourself to ask. No, no, not talking. that, not that. No, don't no, that one, that one. That's the one, Donna. Push that button. Oh my gosh, are you there? Yeah. Earth to Donna, Earth to Donna. Oh, I thought the mothership got you. Oh my gosh. You thought you'd been oh, beamed out. <laughs> we're gonna oh, let Donna boy, hang Donna. out there and go to Aaron. Maybe we'll come back to Donna. Aaron, you're up. All right, all right. Question I have for you, it's, I guess, kind of a repart. Uh, when you look at Louisiana, Florida, Alaska, and California, are they going to stay part of the United States? Are they going to be split back off to whether it be Spain, Russia? Where do Look, you see that going? Now, this is the United States of America. Texas isn't splitting off. Hawaii isn't splitting off. There are issues there, and they're very real. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, Alaska and Hawaii and uh, all the Western states uh, were brought into the Union and were not brought in uh, on an equal basis uh, with this acquisition of federal lands that uh, didn't go to the people. And uh, some of that's going to have to be dealt with 
and I think it will, but it won't be dealt with in a heartbeat. It's uh, look, um, you you can bite off more than you can chew. In the course of trying to get control of our ship of state, uh, we have to be careful that we stay narrowly enough focused on the uh, people that have got their, uh, you know, the Chicago mob, the Capone mob, uh, the New York mob, the California mob, the Nevada mob, okay, and then these foreign mobs. Um, uh, if you get, if you're going to try to solve every last problem with precision before we can all ever agree again, it's done, it's over. Um, you probably better dig deeper in your hidey hole. We aren't going to be able to solve all of them day one. What happens is we get control of the ship and we start steering away from the rocks. And then we can revisit some of these issues and uh, they're going to have to be revisited. I'm, I'm right there on, on the issues going on in Hawaii. Uh, when you look at it, you start dissecting it. There's some problems there. Do the people of Hawaii in mass though, want to be part of the United States of America? Yeah, they do. Don't kid yourself. Uh, is there a component of it that there's going to have to be something done to rectify some issues there? Yeah, there is. And it might not be easy to solve. Um, uh, you can't get agreement in most families on stuff between everybody. Uh, same thing in Alaska. Uh, there's some issues there that have to be done. We giving it back to Russia? Are you kidding me? That's like the situation in Ukraine with the Donbass. Uh, the majority of the people in the eastern area back to Donbass, they claim their heritage back to Russia. They, they've been there for you know hundreds and hundreds of years. That's what Putin was trying to explain to Tucker that Tucker couldn't Tucker quite couldn't. grasp. Uh, the other side of the coin is, uh, you know, uh, we going to go back on the deal for all the people that are there right now? Bullshit. Uh, and some of these things are not fights that are the correct fight for today. When you're in a gunfight, you're not worried about whether or not the gang member had uh, red or blue on. And while you were in the wrong territory and you started this fight, you shouldn't have been here in this neighborhood because the uh, other guys uh, have control of this neighborhood. You came here looking for a fight, you know. For the moment, you better freaking get uh, behind something that's got some density to it and figure out which way and, and uh, the bullets are coming from and stay alive. And then somewhere down the road, you can sort this out. And I put it in those kind of terms. Why? Because we're in the middle of a gunfight with bank robbers. These people went in and robbed the Bank of America and got in their getaway car, drove around the corner. And uh, they think because they, they've got control of Washington, D.C. and all of these uh, 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 Senate and House uh, positions, through fraud, they've got all their judges in place and everything else, that uh, it's fair and square. They won fair and square. I, I remember uh, an interview with uh, a guy that had murdered somebody. And uh, uh, he was in prison. He'd been there for a couple of years. And the uh, detective that was interviewing him, uh, they were trying to get an understanding, uh, uh, kind of a psychological profile of how he thought. And the uh, the bad guy said, no, you don't understand. I've got a gun. I walked up to a guy on the street and I told him I wanted his wallet. Now, I got a gun. 
All he has to do is give me his wallet. I did some business with him. I got his wallet. I was tougher than he was. I showed up with a gun. He didn't. Uh, that's the way the game is played. But he wanted to fight me as though he could beat me when I got a gun. So I had to show him who's the boss. Uh, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, if you don't want to get robbed, then don't be on the street at a place like that where people like me, you know, work. This is my work. That's what I do for a living. I rob people. And, uh, you know, he didn't understand the game, so I had to shoot him. That's the mentality of these people. They have stolen your country. But you're not smart enough to figure it out, and you're not uh, armed correctly. And so it's survival of the fittest. It's, it's, it's very much so in their mind that they have the right to be there because they're tougher and stronger. It's the same thing with the bloodline families uh, that are running uh, in these monarchies, these kingships, uh, right to rule by blood. I inherited it. It's ours. It's our property. You're our property. And uh, uh, we're, the, uh, we're the kings. We're the lions. And everybody else is prey. And at any given moment, if I decide I'm hungry, I'm going to go eat that gazelle. And if that uh, uh, deer or anything else gets in my way, 10 of us are going after and we're going to take him out because we're the kings of the hill and we work together. Okay? So don't oppose us or we'll wipe you out. That is the mentality that the pilgrims left in Europe and came here and tried to establish something different. And that is what we're fighting right now. It's a mob Capone mentality. This is my city, not yours. I am the tougher dog here. I am the big dog. I will do what I want. I will buy anybody I want. Anybody that gets in my way, I take them out. Why? Because I'm a thug. I'm a mobster. That's what I do. That's my, that's my job description. They're just doing what their job description is. Thug, brute, uh, bully, monster. And uh, you're, just, you're just food. You're the weaker uh, uh, animals. And, and they're the king of the hill. So the, the, the lion eats whatever it feels like. Um, until you understand that, that's why I'm using things like muggers and uh, con men and all that. They think that you're not sophisticated like they are. You might catch them and throw them in prison like the murderer, but he was just doing his job. And if you didn't understand that, he's going to do his job and you know uh, let the chips fall where they may. Those are who we're dealing with. Those are what we're having to, to fight, you know, figure it out. I don't know if that answered your question. You got me started there, but. Yeah, it does. I guess it kind of leads to then some of the things like state nationals and stuff is that where we're going as a country eventually to become sovereign. Well, uh, actually, that is not uh, a correct way to look at it. The, the union of the states has to survive. Now, in our coalition, um, we did the secretaries of state uh, uh, back coming up in the 2022 election, and now we're focused on the governors. And so we have a number of governor candidates that are working together um, in uh, 2024 and 2026. And uh, you your attorney generals and your secretaries of state, you don't have a strong governor. You haven't got, you know, you haven't got the makings for a winning uh, deal. 
Plus, if you're trying, you know, for example, uh, uh, Phil Lyman out in Utah, he's the one that Trump pardoned because uh, they went after him because he trespassed on federal land, allegedly. Well, he didn't. He supposedly led a group of people that did trespass on federal land. No, he didn't. Uh, it's very clear from from the communications. He didn't encourage anybody to go trespass on federal lands. Drove down to the end of the road and pointed where the federal lands were and says, it's not right. They put this rope across here and they say that we're trespassing. We've used this ground here for 100 years and the people that are blocking us off from it aren't even uh, federal government people. Uh, they're uh, private corporation, uh, BLM, that you know has, has usurped this authority to control this land. And so we're coming against them. Uh, he's running for governor of, of Utah. He understands these these uh, federal rights or issues versus state rights. Uh, the states, it's like we had back with Reagan. Uh, Reagan pushed hard for states' rights, and that was the key to the Reagan revolution, returning authority back to the states, uh, reducing the tax burden at the federal level, and letting the states do the taxes with less hands in the cookie jar um, filtering off and siphoning off uh, huge portions of it. Uh, states want to collect taxes to do something. They collect the tax and they do the work. They don't need federal oversight on every last thing. And uh, that's where we're going as a country is greater states' rights, where the states are more autonomous, but the states aren't going to be broken up and then go off on their own thing, um, uh, leaving the union. This is not about a disunion. We still need a strong, united presence, uh, especially in what's coming, because we are going to be at war uh, with a whole world of monsters, globalista. And uh, you're going to need stronger state-to-state -state relationships than ever if you're going to survive. Any state that wants to break off, it's like going to the edge of the herd and the uh, critters are there to gobble you up in a heartbeat. So states are going to have to work closer together, but it is going to be states' rights. Uh, Texas has already uh, decided to start to do that late to the game, uh, but Abbott's, you know, uh, moving in that direction. I think there's other motives going on there, but that will be the theme that builds out more and more over the next uh, uh, months and couple of years as we go through what's, what we've got to go through. It will be a states' rights uh, situation. Each state's a little bit different in what has to be done. And that's why you need strong governors to hold for their state. And you can't, by the way, you have a bunch of citizens want to go out and they want to do whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, you won't have any protection from the policing, uh, state or federal, unless the governor's in your corner. So all of a sudden, now you're just a rabble rouser and somebody from the feds or somebody from the state is going to single you out and say, uh, that what you're doing is against the best interests of the public. You need a governor that's strong to protect the citizens' rights and to advocate for the citizens' rights within the states. That's why we are a union of states. The states are going to become stronger internally, and the bond between the states is going to become stronger. But the Fed's authorities over the states is actually going to become thinner. It's going to be states in an alliance. That's what the union was all about. A much less powerful federal government with the exception of the ability to protect us uh, through uh, military and the military alliance. Um, 
uh, uh, the Fed has to become less powerful in many ways. So I, I hope that answers that. I, I think it's been 